Welcome to Victory Church Podcast. At Victory, we are committed to connecting people to God, His church and their purpose. For more information, visit victorychurch.net.au. Now prepare your heart to hear a word from God today. We spend time as a team thinking, Lord, what do you want to say to your girls? Because I know that we're all busy and I love the opportunity to come together and and be with God's girls. But I also know that there's dynamics and there's things that are vying for our attention and things that actually, you know what, should I make this, shouldn't I do that? And, And we push and we encourage because we understand that there's a bigger purpose in mind. But you have to understand that as a team, we say, God, what is it you want to do? What is it you want to say? What is it you want your daughters to know and understand and experience? And this year we felt God say to us that we, He wanted us to know that we've been made new. So we, we called conference, She Is Made New. And the scripture from which we brought it was 2 Corinthians 5.17. It says, Now if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he's become an entirely new creation. All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and new. And so we just felt God say, no, I want the girls to know that they are new. So we called it, she is made new. We could have said, she is reformed. Because reform's a great word. But the thing is, the definition of reformed is this. It simply means taking that which is the same and making it another shape. You'll notice that we didn't call it, she is rehabilitated. Again, rehabilitation is a great word. Some of us need rehabilitation. But rehabilitation means this. It's to make a few corrections to mend something. And you'll notice it's not called she is re-educated. And I'm not against education. I like to educate myself. I'm glad my kids are being educated. Education is a great word. But being re-educated means adding or taking away from that which we already have. And we felt God say to us, no, 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 I want my girls to know that they have been made new. See, being made new is all about being a new creation. It's not about taking what was old and just remodelling it or reshaping it or adding something or taking something away. It's about having a revelation that we are not the same, that the old has vanished, that Scripture tells us, and everything is brand spanking New, And that's what God wants us to experience, to know and to have a deeper revelation about this morning. And I know that you might be sitting there saying, yeah, but that's okay for you because you don't understand what I've walked through or you don't understand how many times I have started again to turn over a new leaf, to do this, to do that, to make a new change in my life. And here's the truth, girls. You and I cannot make a change in our lives. This is about, we we get into trouble because we think, you know what, if I just remodel, if I just reshape, if I add this or take that, we have to have a revelation this morning that Jesus has made us new. It's not about anything you and I can do. It's about accepting what has already been done for us. I love what Vicky said, it's about a surrender. And what we want you to know this morning is that you haven't turned over a new leaf. You've been given the opportunity to have a new life under a new master. And so this morning, what I want to spend just a couple of minutes talking about 
is that there is an opportunity for you to be a new you. I want you to turn to the girl next to you and say, she's talking to you. Now turn to your second choice and say, oh, and you too. It's awesome. Girls, the good news this morning is this. A new you is possible. I know you may have tried alterations in the past. I know you may have tried some things, but I want you to know a new you is possible. Why? Not because of anything you can do. Just settle that now. There's nothing you can do, but it's all about what's already been done for you. And this morning, I want to look at three areas that I think as women we often struggle with, three areas that you and I like to take the reins in. We like to make sure that we've got it all sorted and under control, but it's the three areas that God says, no, 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 the old is gone. That has vanished, vanquished, it's no longer there. It is gone and the new has come, fresh, bold, alive and exciting. And I'm going to ask you to turn to Ephesians chapter 2. And if you don't have your Bibles with you, it will be up on the screen. Perhaps you've got uh, the Victory app on your phone. You can go, there's a Bible app on the Victory app. You can do that. But if you haven't, then if you want to look on the screens as I read from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 to 6, and it says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us, that's all of us, also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, has made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace that you've been saved. And God has raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms. You know the first area that God wants you to know a new you is possible? It's in the area of your position. And that's what Vicky was talking about this morning. God has given you and I a new position. First six says that God has raised us up with Christ and has seated us with Him in the heavenly realms. You know, this world that we uh, interact with, that we're part of, this world is designed for us to be able to find and keep and hold the perfect position. I don't know if you're aware of this, but you know what? There are certain vocations and certain jobs or even certain uh, university courses that if you want to have any chance of getting into, you've had to have gone to the right schools. You've had to have been in the right places, to have to know the right people, to have to know the uh, move in the right circles. There's a position, the way this world works, that if I want that position, then I need to make sure I get about doing it and making sure that it works. So there's right schools that you've got to go to. Do you know that sometimes to get into those right schools, you've got to live in the right suburb? You can't go to that school unless you're in a certain zone. So you know what? We've got to take it under our own control to say, I'm going to uproot and move myself into that position so that I can be at least in a position to be able to make myself get to the position that I want. You have to be seen in the right circles. Hey, I'm, I liked this idea. I want to be in part of this. Well, sometimes that means that I need to be in the right circles or I need to wear the right clothes. I need to drive the right car. I need to do the right things. It's all about how I 
can provide a way for my position. The old new, the old new, the old you always tries to earn our position. But here's what God wants us to know this morning. In the new you, God has already secured our position. We don't have to try to aim and get it. That scripture tells me that God has raised me up and he has seated me in heavenly places. A new you has a new position. And way, 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 way back when I was a junior, I was probably in my 14, 15, 16s, I actually played state netball. I was a representative for South Australia in netball teams. And here's what you need to know. I didn't just move in the right circles to get that position. What happened was every year they would have trials and you would have to go out with all the other hopefuls. You'd have to trial for your position. So you would have to play all these trials. They do this and the judges would sit there. They would pick. And even if, lo and behold, you got picked for the team, they always picked 10. Now, there are seven people who play on a netball game at one time. You can only have seven people on the court. But they always pick a team of 10 because, you know, netball, um, girls are rough. It's supposed to be a non-contact sport, but I don't think anyone's ever told the Diamonds that it's a non-contact sport. So for non-contact sport, there's a lot of contact that goes on. So we have a team of 10 because, you know what, people can have a bad day, you can get an injury, whatever. The point is this. I had to trial for my position every year. So for every year I wanted to get, just because I got in last year didn't mean I was going to be in this year. I had to trial every year. And then for the three years that I made it into the team, once I'm on the team, I still had to keep my position. I still had to play well because if I wasn't playing well, they weren't going to put me on the team. I mean, we, nobody plays netball to lose. We play to win. It's like, come on, we're playing to win. So I had to make sure that I was playing well, that things were going well for me. And maybe I was playing well, but we just came up against a team who, they were gigantors. And I mean, I'm not that tall in case you hadn't noticed. I do have platforms on to try and get a little bit of height this morning, but I'm not that tall. So sometimes you would get an opposition player who just towered over you, or I've got a bit of brawn, so I can, I can give back. I'm pretty solid if you want to run into me. But sometimes there would be girls who would have my number. And for whatever reason, I just couldn't beat them. And so then sometimes I had to relinquish my position. The coach would come in and just go, you know what? You're being creamed out there, Kath. It's time for you to be benched. We're going to put someone in. And I'm so grateful that I serve a God who's not like a sporting coach, who doesn't say, you know what? Come on, just let's do a trial. Let's see how you measure up. Let's see if you can make yourself into a position where I can place you in the heavenlies. No, no, we don't serve a God like that. We've got a God who says, no, I've raised you up and I've seated you with Christ. You don't have to earn it. And here's the other thing. You can't lose it. It's not like you're having, I'm having a bad game so that God drags me then from my position. No, if I'm having a bad day, that's exactly where I have to remind myself that I've been given a position. God is not like our sporting coaches who can give us our position and take away our position. God has given us a position and has said to us that it's there forever. The other thing I love about the position that God has given us is it says He's not only raised us up and He seated us in the heavenlies, which tells me this. I'm not that smart, but there's nothing really higher than the heavenlies. Do you agree? So my position and your position is higher. It's kind of like this chair over here. 
This is the position that God has placed you and I in. I suddenly feel above all of you. But you know what? That's exactly what God wants me to know. He's placed me in a position that's above. And do you know what happens when you're above? Everything is what? Under, smaller, insignificant. I'm above. Philippians 2 said that God has raised this Jesus and everything bows at His name and His... We're above. We're above. So whatever it is you and I are walking through this morning, our position is I'm above it. Doesn't deny that it's there, but I'm above it because God has placed me here. He's placed me in a position. I'm above everything. So my position is not only secure. My position is not only that I didn't have to earn it. I don't have to do anything to keep it. My position is also above everything, which means everything God is, everything He has, it's available to me. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places, which means God has everything I've got everything. Do I need anything? I go to God who has it. So it's not only above, what I also love is it's now. You know, our position isn't just for heaven. It's not just for eternity for when we get there. Our position seated with Christ, girls, it starts now. It's right here, right now. I'm a great believer on not having to wait for the uh, pie in the sky when I die, but I want my steak on the plate while I wait. Is there anyone else like that this morning? Our position is now. Yes, I look forward to eternity in heaven and being with God, but I can bring eternity right here, right now because of what Christ has done for me. But here's the question I have to ask myself and ask you, is have you chosen to sit in your position? You see, God has placed me. The Scripture says that God has raised me up. The Scripture says that He has seated me. But I have to ask, have I taken the seat? Or have I gotten off. Where's all the mums here today? Awesome. Now, if you're not a mum, then this is coming for you once you have kids. But how many know? I mean, I thank God for high chairs. Because have you ever seen a toddler with wheat bicks or food or spaghetti, whatever it is? I mean, they're just like a mess machine. And I'm kind of like Pastor Nadia. She said last night that she doesn't uh, like to cook. I don't like to cook. I actually don't even like to clean, but I do like a clean home. So my kids would tell you I'm the Nazi when it comes. If, 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 I, if I've done housework, it's like, no, we're all moving out. We're going to go stay in a hotel. We're not getting this house dirty because it's clean. So when you've got toddlers and they are messy, we had a rule in our home. Do you know what? We only eat at the table. We don't get up and get around. And that's cool when your kids are in a high chair because they can't get up. It's like, sucker, you're stuck in there. It's like, you know what, do what you like, but you're not getting anywhere. I'll clean you up and when I've cleaned you up, then I'll release you. <laughs> but when, when they're a toddler and, they're try, and you're trying to train them and you're trying to give them some sense of independence, do you know how hard it is? And the, you know what? To me, that's a picture of what we do. God has seated us in heavenly places, but we're like a toddler with a food who wants to get off all the time. And my kids, they know, and they knew when they were younger, it's like, hey, can I have something to eat, Mum? Sure, here you go, set the place, 
sit down, put them at the table, sit down, start eating. But, you know, they're not going to sit there long. They just saw something go, oh, something on the TV, and they've got their spaghetti hanging out or they've got their those stupid rusk sticks, you know, kids eat those. Ugh. Whatever, and they start walking, and mum's like, no, 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 come on, back into your position, sit in your seat. You're not leaving that table because I'm not having grubby hand marks all over my wall. It's like, no, no, no. And then, you know, then you have this duel and this fight. And so I used to I'd, I'd take their food off them. i said, ah, you want to eat? Get in the seat. It's like, no, there is no other opportunity. And do you know what? This is often what we do. Just because Christ has raised me up, just because he's seated me, have I chosen to sit in this position? Or am I like the toddler who, oh, 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 I want to go off to there. Oh, oh, I've got to do this. So if you want to eat, take a seat. I just thought of that. <laughs> And it kind of reminds me of our 2016. There are some of you in the room who may not be aware. But in 2016, we had a challenging year, to say the least. All sorts of um, circumstances came. But one of the biggest things was that my husband was struck down with a blood infection. He found himself in hospital for three weeks. And for the very first week, they weren't really sure what was going on. To the point is they were preparing uh, me to let me know that we don't think Tony's going to make it. We don't think that he is going to survive this. We're trying to get on top of it. It's not working. I think you need to prepare yourself. And then these three weeks, once they did get on top of it and God moved in that situation, it meant another six weeks of him uh, being out of action, uh, him just having to recover, and then later on in the year having to have sort of major heart surgery. But what it meant for me was not only as a wife, and a mother having to work in, walk in all of that and being able to do that. But as a senior leader here at Victory Church, I've always been used to being, I'd like to think alongside my husband, but quite honestly, I like to be behind him. I just like to hide in his shadow and just, I'll do whatever you ask me to do, but I really don't want to be the front person. And I've, for those of you who know me, I've always said that. I'm, to the point, I won't walk into a room first. So any man, anyone tries to open a door for me, I'll always end up after you. And I look like I'm so chivalrous, but I hate walking into the room first. I just hate it. So it's part of who I am. And so in 2016, I found myself in an unenviable position. I found myself not only having to lead uh, my family because Tony was absent there and I, I had to lead his life in terms of make major medical decisions on his behalf, make all these decisions that normally he would do, then to be thrown in the position here at church of where everything that used to land on Tony's desk started landing on my desk. And I found myself in a position I didn't want and having to make decisions and having to talk about things and like, I don't know. And can I tell you the pressure of me trying to get out of the seat that God had placed me in. And I just had to remind myself, you know what? When, I, when fear is gripping my heart and the doctors are saying to me, Kath, we don't think he's going to make it. To be able to look them in the eye and say, I thank you. I thank you for your concern, but I'm not going to wear that. But I had to sit. I know, God, you've raised me up. God, I know that I'm seated in heavenly. But can I tell you right now, my position doesn't feel so secure. My position doesn't feel so fear-free. And I had to day in, day out, make sure I was sitting in the position that God gave to me. I've had to learn that there's no fear, there's no um, hurt, there's no offence, there's nothing that can actually keep me from this seat. The only thing that keeps me from the position 
that God has for me is me. And my choice to either sit in this position or my choice to get out of this position. And here's what I want you to know, girls, is your circumstances and your situation do not change your position. Now, they under- I understand it has an impact on you. I, I had fear. Let's-, let's be honest. It's not a nice thing to hear. This is what could happen. This is what... Yes, there was fear, but I had to learn to say, you know what? There is fear trying to get a root in my heart, like Pastor Nadi was talking about last night. But I just say, you know what? My position is, God, you said, you have not given me a spirit of fear, but one of love, of power, and a sound mind. And right now, I've got fear trying to grab hold of me. I've got fear trying to tell me that uh, we're going to take Tony. What are you going to do? You know what? When Tony goes, who's going to lead the church? What are you going to tell your kids? How are you going to... Oh, it's a reality. But I just had to take my position and say, I am seated with you, God. And that means that whatever I need, it's available to me. Whatever I need, God, I'm going to keep myself in the seat so that I can call on what it is I need in this situation. When I need wisdom, they're wanting me to do this test. These guys saying, I've got brain doctors fighting with spine doctors. And they're in front of me fighting over who's going to have the first crack at cutting this man open. They're fighting in front of me. I'm saying, God, I need the wisdom to because they want me to make the call. They, it's kind of like, I'm like, I've, my toddler, I don't have toddlers anymore. Now I've got adult toddlers who are supposed to be doctors and smart people fighting over my husband and you want me to make it decision. God, I need to sit in the seat. I need your wisdom. And I don't know what it is that you're facing this morning, but what I do know is that you've been positioned by God in the heavenly places. But here's what we often do, girls. When something like that faces us, when we find ourselves like that, instead of taking a seat, we try and take our seat into our position. And God's trying to say, no, 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 you don't have the old you. The old you fought for your position. The old you would drag your seat into your position. But the new you, God says, I've raised you up. I've seated you with Christ. All I'm asking you to do is take a seat in what I've already provided for you. So my question for us is where are you sitting? This morning, where are you sitting? Because God has raised you up. God has seated you there. But are you like the toddler who's just removed yourself because the hurt's too much? Because the offence is too great? Because the jealousy is way too overwhelming? Because the fear and the doubt is crippling? The question is, where are you seated? Because Christ has placed you in heavenly places. But if you want to eat, You need to take your seat. And so this morning, where are you seated? A new you has a new position. The other thing a new you has is a new perfection. And this is what I love. This is still the same verse but a different translation. Verse 6 in the Passion Translation says this, He has raised us up with Christ the Exalted One and we ascended with Him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. As women, I get it. We're under pressure to be perfect. We want the perfect homes, the perfect house, the perfect kids, the perfect job, the perfect husband. Apparently come to she is and we will find you. We will hook you up with him. That's what I heard from he is. 
But the problem is we try in the old you tries to achieve your own perfection. For some of us, we think our perfection is found at the end of a surgeon's knife. For some of us, we think it's in a cream or a potion. We think it's in our bank balance. Hey, when my bank balance is at a certain level, then I'll feel perfect. We think it's found in a relationship. Once I've secured that relationship, I've got that man, I've got this, then I'm going to feel perfect. Or maybe it's in your career choice. Hey, if I get into university and I make my way through that, then I'm going to feel perfection. Or even a test result. Oh, wow, I scored top marks. My perfection. What is your perfection based in? The new you, according to that scripture that we already says, has, you already have a perfection. You don't have to be earning and striving and working for a perfection that God has already given us. He's raised us up. He's seated us with Christ in heavenly realms in perfection. You don't need others to validate you. You don't even need to live up to your own standard of perfection. I don't know about you, but I think I'm the harshest critic on myself than anyone could ever be. And sometimes I think as women, we can be harsh and we can be judgmental and we can be uh, crucifying of other girls, but the, the hardest person on you generally is you. And you have to understand it's the old you who strove for perfection. It's the old you who looked for perfection in other things. But God has said, no, 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 there's a new you. The new you already has perfection. So again, my question is, where are you looking for perfection? What are you seeking perfection in? And I don't know if you're aware of this, and I loved hearing uh, Nadia last night talk about just her different journeys and different things and her own struggles, but I don't know if you girls think, well, because you're a pastor or because you can speak or because you can do this, that you've just got it all together and you don't struggle with anything. And I've got to tell you, in 2016, one of the biggest things that was, I felt an assault on my confidence was, I don't think I can do this. I don't think, I, who am I? I can't do this. And again, even 25 years ago, when God spoke to us and said, hey, I want you to start a church. This is how we want to do it. You know what? It was, this is how I approached it. That's good for you, Tony. Great. I'll be right behind you. And I mean behind you. Right there. On you, bud. Awesome. I could see God doing that in you. But you know what? I couldn't see God using me in that. I'm like, have you seen Joyce Meyer? Have you seen how she preaches? I know she speaks like a man. But, and I've got too much of a, a trilly high voice to be, but I'm like, she's amazing. She is unbelievable. And every time I go to a conference, just last weekend, you go to Sister's Conference, you see the beautiful Lisa Harper. You think, who am I? Like, that woman is, she's funny. She's just, she's hilarious. But she's a scholar. What she knows and what she's studied, it's unbelievable. And you can find yourself under that, well, I'm never, I'm, I'm like, here's me sitting at sister, supposed to be blessed, going, I'm going to speak next weekend, what am I going to do? Like, I don't want to, how can I measure up to that? That's the old you. The new you says, Kath, what are you worried about? You're already perfect. I don't need you to be Joyce Meyer. I don't need you to be Lisa Harper. I don't need you to be Nadia Clark. I don't need you to be anyone else other than you. I have made you perfect. Girls, 
The old you is looking at other people saying, where do I get my perfection? Oh, it doesn't measure up because I'm not like them or like that. That's the old you. But the scripture tells us the old you is what? It's gone. It's dead. It's kaput. There's a new life burgeoning for you and for I. And the new you has been made perfect. So my question for you this morning is where have you been seeking your perfection? Is it in the number of likes on social media? Oh, I got this many more. And I know that they've stopped apparently numbering the likes, but I know you girls. You still go on there and you count them. It's like, is that, is that where you're getting your perfection from? Hey, am I liked more? Is your perfection coming from, hey, you know what, if I gain mum and dad's approval, you know, I've, I've always felt like I've lived under the negativity. I've never measured up. I haven't done. But you know what, if I gain their approval, if I do this, if I do the university course that they want me to do, if I do uh, this, that I date that person that they want, if I do what they want, is your perfection then sourced in what they want for you? Is it in the approval of friends? Or what about this one? Even the jealousy of friends. If I can make my friends jealous of something I'm doing or I have, then I feel perfect. I feel better. I feel like I've got it under control. Or is it in that fact of just, I'm the perfect housewife? You know, I've never left a chicken in the oven for three months. <laughs> just saying, never. But I then have to go and say, I've never even tried to roast a chicken. So, hey. <laughs> What's better? So you know what? I can, I'm perfect because I never left it in there for three months. You know, I'm not perfect. I didn't even try. <laughs> Girls, you have a new master. He has made you perfect. Will you not sit and relax in his perfection? And the third thing I want to remind you, so these are to me three areas that we try to control, we try to do. The old you tries to bring it about, but the new you says, no, God has done this for me. He's given you a new position. He's given you a new perfection. And thirdly, he's given, he is a new provider. Again, the same scripture, different translation. We're going to read it from the message, verse 4 to 6. It says, instead, immense in mercy and with an incredible love, he embraced us. He took our sin-dead lives and made us alive in Christ. He did it all on his own with, get this, with no help from us. Then he picked us up and set us down in the highest heaven in company with Jesus, our Messiah. The old you did all the providing. We bought into the lie, well, if it's going to be, it's up to me. If it's going to be, I'm going to make it work. No, nope. if I want this, then I will do it. It's a lie. It's the old new. The new you, the one that God has seated, has raised up and seated with Christ, the new you, he's our provider. He did it. Go figure with no help from you or I. I'm like, mind blown. God, you don't need me to help you. Newsflash, no. He is our provider. A new you has a new provider. We just need to surrender our need for being in control. I can't tell you the number of times in 2016 where I just sat in the seat and just said, God, I can't do this. God, the decisions that you need me to make, I can't do them. But what I can do is ask you to provide. So when those two doctors are fighting over who's going to chop into this human being called my husband first, I need your wisdom. I need your wisdom to say, oh, you can, or you can. Or hang on a second, how about a third option? Nobody is going to touch this man. We're going to give room for God to be able to come and move in this situation. 
when decisions came across my desk and my natural tendency was, oh, can we ask Tony about that? And, oh, we can't ask Tony about that. God, I need you to provide a wisdom for me to be able to make the right decision. I need you to provide a peace. When I had to look at my kids, we kept it secret from our kids for a week, the extent of how sick Tony was. Because I just thought, I don't know what's happening here. I'm not sure. And I don't want to put anything into their head. So I needed a, a grace and a peace. How do I navigate this, Lord? What do I tell them? What don't I tell them? How do I sit and have dinner together, the family minus dad while he's in hospital, and not act like everything's okay and it's like, it's like the war, let's not talk about it. No. But how do I, in all wisdom, sit here and instil faith in my kids to say, you know what? Whatever happens, kids, God's got this. Whatever happens, we can do this. Whatever happens. Because you know what? I didn't want to just survive through 2016. But when God became my provider, I thrived in 2016. That doesn't mean that I loved every minute of it. It didn't mean that I'm like, ooh, can't wait for another trial like that. Hey, Tony, when's the next time you're going to have a near-death experience so I can grow? No, 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 no. But what I'm saying is to look back and go, God, you did something in me. I had a revelation of who you are. I had a revelation of what you mean to me. And so I didn't just make it through by the skin of my teeth. I didn't enjoy every second of it. But what I did was thrive in it because of what God did for me. Because I didn't rely on me and me having to come up with the goods and me having to do this and me having to do that. But understanding that God is my provider. That the old is gone. The old way, I would have done this. I would have got in there. I would have done what I could. And I would have been exhausted and possibly in the hospital bed right next to my husband. But understanding that a new you has a new provider. And I don't have to work in my own strength. I don't have to try and attain it. I don't have to try and achieve it. But I have to recognise and understand that God is my provider. There is a new provider for you. My question to each and every one of us is where are you going to receive from others or what are you going to receive that can only be given to you by God? That's the question this morning. Where am I getting what God only you can give me and help me in that? There is a new provider for you, better than anything you or others can do. I want to go back to our original scripture as I close off this morning. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Now, if anyone is enfolded into Christ, he has become an entirely new creation. All, everyone say all, All that is related to the old order has vanished. Behold, everything is fresh and everything is new. Girls, this morning, we have to remember, a new you is possible. We've been made new, not because of anything we have done, but because what Christ has already done for us. We have a new position. We have a new perfection, and we have a new provider. Everything, everything related to the old way has vanished. But right now, Jesus has made everything fresh. He's made everything new. Everything related to the old is gone. Everything is now new. 
you for taking the time to listen. If you have any questions, please email us at admin at victorychurch.net.au. 